we come from the net. Blogs, websites, podcasts, to this place, the, the Mainframe Chronicle. Chronicle episode nine. As always, I am Daniel Janes. And I am Joey Morris. Yeah, and we're back after a bit longer than we had hoped, but I've been busy and I'm assuming Joey's been busy. I have been. <laughs> Good. What have you been busy with, Dan? Uh just work. Working two jobs is exhausting. So it is. And I I, I, I do it often. I do two jobs, but I'm not good at scheduling. So it really becomes <laughs> complicated, you know, because you have to keep on top of two schedules at that point. And it's just miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty okay at scheduling, especially when I'm, I care a lot about one job and not so much about the other. So I could just be like, hey, I'm working at the other place. So you could schedule me then if you want, but it'd be stupid. Because I'm not coming in. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we're back finally, and I mean we've we've actually had somebody ask about it. Uh, Danny Sherlock over on Google Plus was asking when we were recording next. So the answer is right now, but you don't know that because well, you're not listening to it right now. But you will be. Yeah. When you hear it say right now, that's actually in the past. That's true. There's some time warp going on here. I've seen enough episodes of Star Trek just to know not to try and think too hard about it. Exactly. <laughs> cool. But yeah, thanks for uh, being anxious about it. Um, yeah, that's well, awesome. I'll try to get this edited by the end of the week. Again, you don't really know when that is. But you'll be hearing this soon, and it'll be fun. Yeah, I can't. I'm glad people are are interested and would like us to move forward faster. And you know, hopefully, hopefully we will. Um, and the more support we get, the more uh, the more likely we do that. So let mm-hmm. us know. Exactly. Cool. Good. Well, uh, got three more episodes of season three this week. So some pretty uh, good episodes. Some huge things have happened. So this oh, is going to yeah. be an awesome episode of Mainframe. I'm excited. So, might as well just 
dive in. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get into the meat of this. All right. When you're ready, dear sister. Ready? Ready for what? You expect me to help you? Now, now. We can do this the easy way, or... I'm glad you find this amusing. Oh, I was just picturing what I will do to you once I am free of your little toy. You have no idea the power you try to control. Chaos will always triumph over order. It is the way of things. First episode today is episode 3.1.4. Uh, it's titled Game Over. Originally aired September 10th, 1997. It was written by Ian, per- Ian Pearson... And the story is by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. This episode's summary is Megabyte uses hexadecimal Megabyte uses hexadecimal's viral energy to penetrate the firewall. Enzo, Andrea, and Frisket enter a game they can't win. Short little summary for a very, very strong episode. I agree. There was just, there was a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation. Um, I, you know, I guess not, I mean, I, I don't know. Characters are dropping like flies at this point, um, and we don't really know what's going on. And if you, I can only imagine what a six-year-old, seven-year-old who's watching this show is going through. Because, I mean, this is pretty big emotional stuff. I mean, we just lost Bob not too long ago. And then, you know, spoilers, uh, Enzo and Andrea don't beat the game. You know, we don't know what's happening. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to go through in, like, three episodes. Yeah. Uh, It's just when we start to see, yeah. Again, it's a great reason to watch Reboot and why it's such a great show. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I don't remember watching uh, these episodes when I was a kid, so I couldn't even think back on whether or not these were very powerful to on a on a children level. Right, I'd be interested to see because, like, I I remember Enzo and Andrea being older, but I don't remember the transition at all. Like, I, I hardly remembered them younger like because I, I think i've seen more of the later seasons so it was i mean I, this whole transition is it's still getting me because it's i mean i i'm sure i've seen this before but um this is the first time i have to actually you know experience it in in memory and you know it is it, it's an emotional roller coaster because just the last episode you know enzo was doing really well and he's beating the games and him and andrea's got it down and you know, Dot's got the command center, and it, everyone seemed to have their roles. I think that's even something that Mouse said in this episode, is that everyone has their roles to play. And it was, by now, we clearly defined that, that Enzo and Andrea take care of the games, and Dot and Mouse got the command center, and it, it could work without Bob. You know, you're, you're starting to think it, and then, bam, this happens. Just as we're starting to get some hope that good things are going to happen... Enzo and Andrea disappear into the net. Yes. 
which I wanted to ask about that. Is the reason they're able to do that, is that because of Mouse's upgrades that allow Andrea to go in and out of a game? Yeah. Uh, they explain it, I think, in the next episode, where it's they're, they're changing their format from game sprite to uh, other sprite. forget the terminology they use. But, um, yeah, so they they reboot into a game sprite so they stay with the game instead of being nullified if they lose. Okay. That and, then, and that's not something they were able to do before, and it's only right. because of that upgrade. Okay. Yeah, and I wish they had explained it a little bit more, but they didn't. Yeah. That's what I was assuming, but it wasn't very explicitly spelled out. Yeah, Dan, what do you think of the episode overall, though? I really liked it. I mean, it, it's hard to watch this one coming off of Firewall because that was such a great episode. But I, I think if of any episodes, this one can back it or come back from Firewall and be like, hey, we're still doing awesome. That's true. Well, and, you know, this probably has a little bit more to do with the overall mythos of Reboot that Firewall did. I mean, Firewall was a great standalone episode, but um, I guess it's not standalone, but it's more standalone than this episode. Um, but, I mean, this was just, just adds really well into the overall arc of you know, Reboot. Oh, for sure. Good stuff. I thought, I mean... Getting into like the technical stuff of the of the episode, you know, you start off with um, megabyte and hexadecimal, and you're trying to figure out what exact control that megabyte has over, and you know, so he launches this, you know, makes hexadecimal launch its attack on the cube and sends out the well, a small squadron. He actually sends like the leader of his army out there, and you, I mean, and you see Dot just take complete control of the situation. She has turned into a phenomenal um, commander of uh, the principal office because she really does anticipate, and she always says, this is what Megaframe is going to, or Megaframe, this is what Megabyte is going to do, and he does it, you know, because she, she's anticipating that, which is just a complete turnaround from how Bob handles things. Um, and in this position, I think she'd be far more capable than Bob. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, when the mainframers start fighting back, the, the Megabyte's army turns around, and, of course, Megabyte closes the wormhole on them. On Lieutenant Chauncey, I think his name was. Yeah, that sounds right. And he, I mean, he was so loyal, even to the end. Like, he just flies right into the firewall. He's like, four Megabyte! Oh. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he has... He has control of his legions. They they love him. Yep. Good stuff. On a side note, I think Megaframe on a bike, like a motorcycle, is awesome. True. Did you see that? He's on this giant bike. It's completely DA. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's totally something Megabyte would have. Because, you know, yeah, why I not? I never thought about it. It's like Megabyte knowing how to play the electric guitar. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. One thing I noticed in this episode is just how gorgeous the war room is. I mean, we, we see a few shots of it before, 
but this one it, it just we got enough of it that you just really notice the details of the map and on the map they had the firewall surrounding the G prime sector like just that amount of detail is beautiful it really is i mean it they've got ready rooms on each side you know where das got her little room i assume fong's got a room i mean and it's all right there and it i mean it looks like a functional command center it really does and it and it does look gorgeous you're absolutely right i completely agree yeah i don't know if you caught this but uh towards the beginning uh, dots like we have to ready the defense the auto defense mode nine seven zero four and immediately i'm just like oh that's the production number because yeah. that's <laughs> happened so much in this show that it, i i start to recognize it i agree anytime they throw a bunch of numbers out like that i'm like there's the production number and i write it down before i even look it up um, and I used to think that, not that I don't think it's cool anymore, but I used to think that was really a cool little factoid that as we keep watching these episodes and writing it down, it just happens every single time now. <laughs> yeah, it it, it kind of loses its novelty being done every or every other episode, but it's still, yeah, it's 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 a neat Easter egg that doesn't really add or take away anything from the show. No, I agree. I agree. What do you think of the little scene there between uh, Fong and and Dot? It was it was pretty touching. I mean, it was a bit cliche, but it, it is a kids' show, so you kind of needed to have it. Right, and I mean, and Fong himself is just. I mean, I I remember you sending me something about the creators talking about him. I mean, he's basically a cliche in himself. That's you know, true. and so it, it makes sense when he's talking and he says things like, you know, hope still lives and burns brightly inside of you, which is something, you know, really cliche and you're not really well written. But at the same time, you want people to say that to you and you want to have that friend that's like Fong that's able to say these very dramatic things and make and pull it off. You know, so you, you should be that friend for me, Dan, anytime uh, I need some rather dramatic um cliche phrases i want you to be my fong oh i'll be your fong any day <laughs> i wasn't sure if you're up to the task but uh there you go but yeah i thought it was really good they played off so well and again when you think about where the technology is and how well they're able to show emotion um on these characters and again if you give credit to the voice actors of course but um just it all comes together really well Yep, that it does. How'd you like the scene between Hack and Slash? That was something I did not expect at all. Um, and I it actually pulls up my favorite moment from this entire episode when uh, I think it was Slash was like, I miss Bob because Bob always stops us before we had to do anything actually evil. I just thought that was such an awesome moment. Oh yeah, it was so beautiful. I mean, just the the humanity it gives those characters who are really just bumbling idiots the entire time. It's like, hey, we're gonna make these people actual characters. Yeah, and they did it so well. <laughs> they did, and I you couldn't have said it any better that they gave it the humanity of that scene. I never thought about it like that, but that's really what it is. 
I mean, in all of a sudden, they are characters, they are individual people. I mean, they were just one group at one point, really. Now they're individual people amongst themselves. And they're, they're not evil. I mean, they've, they've helped, out us, uh, helped us out a couple of times and, and everything, but just, just him acknowledging that Bob was the best thing that ever happened to them because he always stopped them is, I think, just a whole re- a revelation in itself. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it ends with, are you still going to tell Megabyte? Yeah. Of course I am. <laughs> uh, good it was really stuff. Good. I love that moment. I agree. That was great. I mean, and then I think, you know, every time I press a button, something bad happens, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the point. That we're the bad guys. I just, I don't know, that entire scene was just, it was it was relatively unnecessary to the story, uh, but just beautiful. Yes. Uh, it, so well done. And I, I mean, I, this episode is as good as it is because of moments like that, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to say, and this is just a little little tidbit, I don't know, I, I think maybe we've talked a little more to Air Doctor this time, or maybe there's a different voice actor, but I never got it before, but I couldn't stop thinking about it now. The His German accent and the way that he's talking really reminds me of, the, of Alan Tudyk's character in Transformer 3. Nice. Yeah, no, I didn't I mean, think of that. that he said, and I was just like, I love this. I love Air Doctor even more because now I keep thinking of Alan Tudyk. Oh, man. He was ridiculous this episode. <laughs> he was ridiculous. You know, I, I don't know why. I don't even know if we're actually holding hexadecimal. I think she likes to be tied up. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Megabytes respond. Let's not even think about that. Because uh, it could go down the rabbit hole. I mean, we could be talking about some weird kinky things in a minute. So I think that's why he turned it off as her brother. Oh, for was like, sure. Let's not talk about that. But just <laughs> opening that door. I mean, not necessarily <laughs> opening that door. Showing us that door and being like, yes. we're not going to talk about it, but it's there. <laughs> I agree. Beautiful. I agree. It really was. Um, just this entire episode. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm having a lot harder time watching these episodes because I get so involved in the stories now that I forget to write down notes and there's so much that happens. I have to go back and, and write more stuff and rewatch scenes because I'm just engrossed in watching the episodes now. Yeah. I'm the same way, especially with good ones like this one and firewall and yeah, I, I imagine it's going to get even harder as the season goes on. Do you want to talk about the game? Absolutely. Mortal Kombat. I mean, gods, mortals, and demons. I know. It was beautiful. And it's tournament style. And Did you play Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo when you were younger? A little bit. We never had it, but our neighbor did, so he would bring it over every once in a while. And I was never good. Never. I was pretty good. My dad and I played it all the time. I just bought... Uh, not too long ago, a Super Nintendo with like 18 games or whatever. Epic. And uh, just, I know, it's awesome. And it's got like different controller pads and it's just awesome. And uh, I went to Joe's Records, which is a, a place here in Evansville where you can get used games. And uh, I can buy Mortal Kombat for like 10 bucks. So I'm gonna, I didn't have any money with me at the time, but I'm going to go and get that. Because that's like the one real, I mean, I played that game nonstop when I was younger. So I was pretty excited about this episode and 
you know, Enzo becoming Scorpion. And I wanted them, I, you know, I'm not going to blame anything on um, Reboot because they do so many awesome references. I just wanted at one point for someone to say, finish him. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah, if only, but they didn't quite get yeah. there. No. It was it was pretty good. I, I the the game was pretty convincing. You know, I like the idea of Enzo um, really trying to outsmart the um, uh, user. You know, not believing in a no win scenario, which yeah. is very reminiscent of Captain Kirk. But we'll just talk about that in the next couple episodes. But um, just that was really smart. I thought. Yeah, it shows that, you know, he is the Guardian now. Like, he's he's there. He's at the point where he could start, you know, taking care of Mainframe, which is why he has to disappear. That's true, because it's getting too comfortable in Mainframe. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would love to hear from the creators that they had planned on this kind of stuff with, uh, well, we can talk about that in the second episode, but um, just the arc that Enzo has, if that's something they had planned ahead of time. Um, one cool thing that I thought was awesome, and this is just a little sidebar, but um, the finishing moves, and he talked about it a couple times, of uh, the, the, what is his name? Zaytan, the user, um, was crushing the skull of, of uh, his opponent. And that immediately made me think of the new Star Trek movie, which you've seen, Into Darkness, right? Mm -hmm. You've seen that? And, you know, I'm a Star Trek nerd. I thought it was an amazing movie. But that is uh, Khan's kind of finishing move, is that he'll just, well, I shouldn't say Khan, John Harrison. Um, (laughs) Spoilers for Into Darkness, in case you haven't seen that movie yet. Um, You know, where he grabs the people and just squeezes the head and kills the person like that because he's genetically enhanced. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet finishing move. It's probably not, like, all that smart. You know, there's probably many more efficient ways of killing someone, but it's just so dramatic. Yeah. Um, and you just don't see it coming. And that's what made me think of that, because Zaytan did it, and um, John Harrison did it. And it just made me think, there's uh, this three-year-old that lives with us, and I was watching him, and... Um, I was I just I had just grabbed his head one day, you know, just because he was sitting on my lap, and the, the thought had passed through my mind. It was like I could do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course I would never do it. But um, and then we did. Justin, my brother, uh, and I um, trained him. Like any time we would hold his head like that, you know, in the in the cons fashion, he would. him with priorities but anyway uh that just made me think of say 10 gotcha which i mean the user spheres that i mean that guy was awesome looking yeah it was great design there uh i wish that we had seen him fight andrea as well andrea and frisket but that didn't happen yeah i wonder if that's just because they didn't want to see him lose or you know, I I don't know, but I thought they were going to. I thought it would have been cool. Yeah, I I think it was a matter of time because this episode was pretty chock full of 
stuff, so. Do you have any favorite quotes from the episode? Uh, the one that really stood out to me was but the banter between Megabyte and Hex at the beginning. First off, Megabyte's like, now, now, we could do this the easy way, or, and then presses a button and tortures her. That's pretty funny. It so, is pretty funny. So Megabyte. And then uh, Hex replies with something along the lines of, you know, I'm going to win because chaos will always triumph over order. And I remember in one of the first couple episodes, we talked about how Hexadecimal was like the agent of chaos and Megabyte was the more ordered one, the one that planned things out. Yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome, uh, you know, difference between the two. And especially when you find them as siblings, you know, when you find out that they're siblings, that's just a perfect dynamic between the two of them. Yes. What about you? Got some good quotes? And then the one you just mentioned was really good. I think just a small moment, because I love Fong so much, but when he was telling Dot to be patient, um, when she was freaking out, you know, and the energy level's changing, he's like, you have to be patient, Dot. And then, like, right afterwards, he just freaks out, and he's like, what does someone have to do to get a cup of cocoa around here? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> freaked out which is cracked up and i think we even saw like aldernon and binky were like drinking cocoa they're like whoops yeah yeah (laughs) really random very random but but pretty awesome as well i agree it was it was great and especially since he's yelling for a cup of cocoa you know it would be different if he said coffee or whatever but he just wanted cocoa like i don't know it was great but um, yeah, I didn't have any other quotes. I don't think. Oh, I, I mean, just on a sidebar, I thought it was pretty funny how Hex was all tied up; she can't move, and somebody knocked from like a air vent, and she's like, "Come in!" Like, yeah. And Scuzzy <laughs> shows just, up. Yeah, I like Scuzzy. I'm not gonna lie, Scuzzy's awesome. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, Scuzzy, you came. What took you so long?" That's no excuse that there's a firewall. Yeah. So it's great. And, I mean, this episode is just a perfect transition, I think, into the next couple of episodes because it does. It, it, it's just been leading up to it, it's more emotional. Um, the characters are more gritty. You know, the things that they have to do is a little tougher. You know, and it's just becoming more, I, I dare I say, real world in terms of, like, dramatic um, situations. Um, and I, you know, I think this episode is just a great transition into the next storyline with Enzo and Andrea. So I'm, I'm a fan of this episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it wraps up the first arc of this season because this season they took it a little differently and did four, uh, four episode arcs of the stories. That's why we had 3.1.1 and 3.1.2 so on. And this one was 3.1.4, so it wrapped up the first of the four arcs in this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even know that was going to happen, but you can see how it, it it's already started. I wasn't sh- I didn't know they were going to be in four episodes, but yeah, I mean, it's you, they're clearly separated. 
I did want to take a moment and just like talk about, and we kind of talked about it earlier, but when when Dot sees that the user won and that Enzo was gone, Kathleen Barr, the voice actress for Dot, just nailed it, I thought. It was extremely emotional. Now, I know that he's not gone, but he, she took me at that moment, and I, was, I felt it. I thought she did great. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that whole sequence was brilliant. I mean, somebody comes on and says, or the, it announces that game is over, and the user won, and then there's just silence. For like 10 seconds, nobody says anything, and then Dot starts yeah. whimpering and screams, like, screams, no, Enzo, no. And, and I thought that was credits. realistic. Yeah, real human drama. I mean, it just was a perfect ending to this episode. Because, you know, we didn't think that he was going to lose. Nobody, I at least I didn't, think that at any chance that he was really going to lose. Like, they played it real straight, you know, 10 seconds before it happens, you've got Dot and everybody running around, get this medical team here, do this. There's just all this commotion. And then just, you're right. I mean, it was just done. It was silence. There was nothing. And just gave you a second to really take in the moment before she starts. Ah, I don't know. It was just really good. And when you think of the challenge, in this type of format and they just nail it so well I'm just so impressed yeah great end to the arc fantastic episode did you have any uh, other comments about it just a couple quick things Uh, one of the cannons at the beginning is firing out of an email box which looks like one of those blue mailboxes you see on the street and there's just the cannon sticking out, shooting at the invaders. I don't think I noticed that. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty amusing. And then, of course, we get Enzo saying Bob's line of, this is bad. This is very bad. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, yeah. just furthers the point that, you know, he's the guardian now. He has taken over for Bob. So, but yeah, that, only that's about thing, it. The only other thing I wanted to mention is just the difference between Bob and Enzo in terms of guardian style. Enzo, at least in, to my knowledge, I mean, he does not use glitch, you know, uh, when he's fighting these, these people. I mean, he uses them uh, a, you know, to, to survey the area and stuff, but he was going after the guardian toe-to-toe without using glitch you know in bob we, we always joke about how he'd just be like glitch everything ah, you know to save the day i just thought that was interesting yeah i didn't even notice that either but makes sense and and i uh, suppose we, we should probably talk about enzo losing his eye that's true yeah that's kind of important as well <laughs> Finally, after being foreshadowed like three or four times, I think it was three times. I was looking back at that. You know, we've got. I tr- was trying to remember, but the zombie lost when he lost his eye when he was Michael Jack. There's just like three different times when he went to lose his eye. But yeah, what was that? Was that just like an uppercut from the guy? Was that a? I don't even remember. Yeah, he had like claws on his knuckles or something. I don't know. I don't 
remember exactly how it happened, but yeah, he just got slashed across the eye. I mean, that's that's rough. <laughs> um, I did. You always wonder if you'd rather go blind or you'd rather lose your hearing. You know, that's that's a question I think everybody talks about. But that that is rough just to lose an eye. But it seems to. Um, in the future, work out better for him. So he turns into like a Jordy LaForge where you can do crazy stuff, but we'll get to that. Yeah. And I think that'll do it for this episode. Game over. It was a good end to an arc, and it led to a great beginning of a new arc, and there's great character moments, and I, I don't know. I, it's the first, while I was watching it, I didn't realize how much I really liked the episode, but Talking to you has, you know, made this great episode. Absolutely. Why don't you take us into the next episode? Good luck. And don't worry. Who cares if you six are the only things that stand between us and total destruction? Matrix! Make that seven. Magnificent. So we're going to move on to episode 3.2.1, which is entitled Icons. Uh, The original air date was September 17th, 1997. It was written by Christy Marks. The story is by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Piercing. The summary is Matrix and Andrea ride the game into a ravished system. They recruit a group of brave sprites to train the gameplay as well as uh, one tag-along. It was pixelacious. It was the first appearance of Matrix and Andrea as adults, and uh, the first appearance of Wise One. It's a pretty good episode. I enjoyed it. Dan, what did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, not the best episode, but very much a solid one. Uh, I mean, we get to see what happened to Enzo and Andrea. And Andrea is hot. You know what? I don't want to be a creeper, but she's very distracting. Like, her outfit and everything is very distracting. <laughs> yep. She's like, what if Aquaman was a very, very sexy lady? Is, is there a female Aquaman? I mean, he has like a wife, I, Mira. She's pretty it? cool, okay. but she doesn't dress like that mu- very often. Fair enough. Uh, probably for him in non-comic um, book strips. Yeah, so between the panels. Read, yeah, that, that's that's perfect. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Uh, between the panels, exactly. <laughs> I just wasn't sure because you know, there's like you know, Batgirl, and then there's Supergirl. I wasn't sure if there. I know if there was a female Aquaman. But. Yeah, I don't know if there's ever been like an Aqualess or something. I don't know. There is. A, so I guess we can just start. From the beginning, and we'll just start from the uh, the intro, which is now different again. You know, this is what our mm-hmm. third or fourth like general intro. Now we've got Enzo, well Matrix, I should say, uh, doing his his intro. And the one thing I want to talk about that is when he says our format. I don't know, like I mean, he could be completely different at this point, and I think that really sets the stage for, you know, what is Matrix and what is Andrea at this point. Yeah, I, I 
kind of goes with the how they're able to move between games and systems is that the, they kind of have to change format. So when he says, I don't have a format, that's kind of like what he's saying. And that's what I got that's out true, of it. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought, I mean, it's really good. It, it's it's just not as ham-fisted as some of the reboot stuff uh, in the past. You know, they're a lot more, it's a lot more subtle and how they're trying to create this new character of Matrix, which is Enzo, but I mean, I think you can you can call him a completely different character at this point. Which they do, and it works. Yeah, it does. So, I mean, the intro's good. I, I gotta tell you, I miss Megabyte's intro. I just, it's so dramatic and oozing of megabyte and it's just awesome but uh clearly they had to change uh for this episode and it makes sense too but yeah and we start off with a parody of mars attacks they're chasing... have you ever seen that movie yeah ridiculous movie i've never seen it never seen it uh you should you should do that it's it's pretty i like funny. tim burton i just have never seen it i want to though yeah, it's it's good stuff. You should go check it out after you're done with this I, podcast. I, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I did enjoy um, when they were in the space alien ship from Mars Attacks. I guess when they were doing the subtitles for the for the speech from the aliens and Frisket's like they actually subtitled Wolf Wolf yeah. for Frisket. <laughs> that was pretty good. It, just, it cracked me up. Cool, and then they beat the game and end up staying in a system that's just completely run down. It's just decimated. I think Andrea even says that this is the worst system that they've ever been in, which, you know, it's just good as laying a foundation that they've been doing this for a long time, you know, Mm -hmm. just reminding you of that. But, um, yeah, she even says that that's the most devastated system they've ever been in. Yeah, and that's a very subtle way to say, you know, that it's been a while since you've last seen us. I mean, obviously, since, you know, he's, they're both really grown up, but. Exactly. I, uh, so, I mean, just, let's just talk about the characters in general. What do you think of Matrix and Andrea so far? I mean, I, I rather like them. Matrix is a little bit whiny, but, you know, he's away from his home and trying to get there and it's just it's not working so i mean kind of reminded me of sliders have you ever seen sliders i have not the whole concept of that show is that they went to a different like parallel universe and they're just trying to go home but they keep going into different parallel universes and running into shenanigans interesting Um, and so it's just kind of like this reboot idea that he's trying to go home <coughs> yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's a good episode. It, well, it ends weird, but it's a good series. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I like them too. Um, I think it makes sense that the Enzo, the kid that we knew, becomes Matrix because he is hardcore. He's certainly different, um, but the parts of him that are whiny really remind me of Enzo, you know? Yeah. And I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I think it was really smart of them to grow them up because, I mean, 
there's only so much you could do with child characters. And once you do those, it just kind of gets stale. And clearly the creators of Reboot don't like to stay stale at all. Right. Considering, you know, we have no idea what happened to the main character and we just saw Enzo essentially die and then now come back as a 30-year-old guy. Yep. And I think the perfect example of how he is not Bob um, and how he is a renegade versus a guardian it's, I mean, when he took out that virus, I mean, he killed it execution style. Yeah. You never. First of all, he's got a gun too. Now, when did we ever see someone like with a, like Bob or something with a gun and using that? And then he comes around and and just executes this thing. I mean, it's completely different. A lot more gritty. Mhm. And beautiful. It was a really cool design of the that virus, the praying mantis. Looks awesome. I mean, praying mantises are clearly virus-like in their way that they move and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was a good choice. What do you think of Wise One? I thought he was an interesting one-off character. I mean, kind of reminiscent of the Crimson Binome, with like oh, you think the so? the gruffness. That's oh. pretty much it. But like, just just. A fun character to see once and not see him ever again, probably. Yeah, I, I never thought about that, but yeah, I could see the comparison. I just, I love this idea, this overall idea that they're creating in this episode of Andrea and Matrix and Frisket just running around from system to system. Yeah, I kind of wish we saw, like, uh, um, montage of them running through a bunch of different systems doing awesome stuff. Yeah, that would be cool because, I mean, you just have this idea that we've had a couple grand adventures. Yeah. And and where so, did Matrix get that eye thing? Oh, I know. That's awesome. Which, you know, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, Mad Eye Moody, you know, like... <laughs> He's got that whole, I mean, so you can see in the back of his head and everything. And, and it, I mean, it's clearly a targeting sensor and um, just awesome. Only There's about 43 Potter, minutes but. till Harry Potter came out. <laughs> I was a little worried uh, when <laughs> I watched the first episode because nothing popped out at me. Oh, man. But. Cool. And it, it goes from... What is it, Debbie? Was it a Debbie beforehand or whatever? But it like flips the Matrix and he uses it, and I, just, I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm really not sure what it does, but but it's it looks cool. Yeah, and I, you know, maybe we'll see more as it comes out. What do you think of the ragtag, you know, group of Goonies? It was it was pretty fun. I mean, it obviously not great characters at the beginning where they're all like yeah i don't know if i should be fighting except for hard boot whose name speaks for itself <laughs> uh, i see what you did there dan yeah i th- I thought it was clever yeah I mean, they thought I it was proved. clever and it worked so <laughs> that's true 
they said it like four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty cool. And then I, w- what I really liked about it was you see, again, how Enzo and, uh, oh, I, get, I need to stop calling it, Matrix and Andrea, um, they've done this so many times. They've got a system. You know, he storms off, people recruit, he does the team speech. Like, I mean, they've got this all down. This is a well-oiled machine at this point. Yeah. Um, so then everybody reboots, you know, then they explain what that even means. And, uh, you know, you've, so you've got Gabby, and he had named her Tweak, and then um, Jeff is Tactic, then Hardboot remains Hardboot. And then did Backup have a name beforehand? Uh, not that I heard. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he did. And then, uh, Barry, the guy who can apparently go very fast and, uh, he is overdrive. And the whole point of this is, you know, Matrix and Andrea trying to show them how they can fight and save their own system. They're not there to, to save it. Ultimately, they're just there to give them the tools and the abilities to save it themselves, which I thought was really a cool idea. Yeah, it it's brilliant to show them, you know, that whole cliche of uh, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Kind of the same thing, you know. Save yeah. them from the user and you save them for a day. S- teach exactly. them how to save themselves and they're badass. And it and it makes sense because you know I'm in, in all of their adventures that – they have come to places that clearly would want them to stay and need them. They're an effective unit. And they, I mean, they just, they just know that's not what they want and they just keep moving forward. And they've come up with this very well-oiled machine. Yeah. Did you notice uh, in the decimated system that there was a Nerf rocket toy laying around? <laughs> I did not. It was one of those that's got like the six prongs in the front and you put the rockets on it and you shoot them and it kind of rotates. Absolutely. I'm well acquainted with those. Yeah. I saw that. It was pretty cool. I was like, yeah. Did it it say nerf on it? It says nerd on it, I believe. Oh, that is even better. Right. That is fantastic. Yeah, one thing that I noticed that I don't know if it was intentional or not was uh, Barry being uh, someone who's really fast reminded me of Barry Allen, who is one of the Flash characters in DC. Um, and then, of course, there's also a pretty obvious reference to Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dot reboots as Xena and Tweak reboots as her sidekick. Which is funny because I did not catch Andrea as Zena before I caught I, I caught Gabby as because uh, I think even in Zena her name's Gabrielle yep and I I noticed that first before I noticed Zena Warrior Princess which is ridiculous but that's how that worked yeah and of course the game is called Kron the Destroyer. Which is a parody of Conan the Destroyer starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ah, I wish I could do a good Schwarzenegger impression. Yeah, I'm not even going to embarrass the podcast by trying. (laughs) 
I feel like this point at this point, Ralph Garman would make some joke about um, having relations with a maid. Yes. Sure. <laughs> if if, uh, if you were here, a part of this. But that's another podcast. Literally. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah um, and the game itself was pretty cool. What do you think? It was all right. I wish we had seen more of it. I mean, it's it's clearly wasn't the story wasn't meant to be um, centered around the game, so right. it was just you know just on the on the background. But you know, they do pretty good jobs. I think they're, they're I think they're always pretty original with their games, even if it's not a big section of the story. Yeah, uh, they're they're always they're always pretty unique. Um, and I just you know want to take a moment and remember that. What did you think of Enzo and Backup's relationship? It's it's very reminiscent of early Bob and Enzo, where, I mean, obviously the first part where, you know, he saves, uh, Matrix saves Backup from the uh, the virus, and Backup's just like, yeah, I had that under control. You didn't need to do that. The, the difference is, like, Matrix is a little more, yeah, yeah, right. And Bob was always a little bit more supportive than that. Well, I think the perfect example is that, you know, as a renegade, he doesn't let backup take him down when he does that weird jumping thing where, you know, Bob would. So that's a pretty good example of that. Yeah. It's a harder world to live in. Um, But, I mean, they they became, um, they started with a group of six, and then right at the end, Backup came and joined it, and he's like, oh, now we're seven, and Enzo's like, magnificent, which is, of course, a play, uh, well, a reference to the Magnificent Seven. Yep. Good stuff. And, which is a, like, remake of an earlier movie, and I know this, called The Seven Samurai. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a Japanese movie, but it's it's set in Japan, obviously, with Seven Samurai. Have you ever seen that? I have not seen either, although I yeah, really I want either. to see both. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize. That. I mean, I've heard of the Magnificent Seven, but I'd never heard of the Seven Samurai beforehand, so that was pretty cool. I didn't really have any quotes, um, did you? There was a couple. I mean, the make that seven magnificent. That That's a good one. And, of course, we get beetroot. What's beetroot when they're trying to explain rebooting and backup just oh, doesn't yeah. get it? That is pretty. Yeah, uh, that and is then, pretty. of course, the... The, when the user breaks into the final chamber, he's like, I want the tooth. And Backup's like, you can't handle the tooth. Yeah. Obviously, a reference a from A Few Good Men. I've never seen the movie. I need to watch. That's another one that I need to watch. That's one I don't think I've seen all the way through either. So, But everyone knows that line. I mean, that's oh, yeah. clearly... I wrote a short play that was awful once, but I wrote like three pages of dialogue just so I could get to a line that was, you can't handle the sleuth. You can't handle the what? The sleuth. 
how yeah you uh again you know first first thing i think you ever said to me is that you'll uh go out of your way for mediocre puns so three pages of dialogue is really going out of your way yep <laughs> and that pretty much <laughs> proves that <laughs> exactly um you know we've kind of talked about this uh intermittently but i'll just go ahead and just go straight for it this is the first episode that dot is not in and that we are not in mainframe yeah and i think there's no uh no it's the next is it this episode or the next episode where they don't even mention bob that's this episode and I, I think that might be the only episode that never mentions Bob. Uh, yeah, but you know, I believe that's true. And it makes sense, you know, because they've been doing this again in their time, probably twenty years, and they're just always trying to go back to uh, mainframe. But you know, you can't constantly keep coming back to Bob. It's not fresh for them anymore. Right. Cool. Good. Uh, good yeah, episode. Overall, yeah, and it, it, it's. I think they clearly the main point of the, this episode is to just build the idea of what these characters have been doing for a while, and in that aspect, it was successful. Is it a great episode? No, but I mean, it it did what it needed to do to set up this next arc. Exactly, and and really also set up the rest of the series. I mean, introducing us That's to the good. adult Matrix. And then so yeah, good episode, not great that's that's a good way to leave that. you want to move into the uh third episode of this season well or this this podcast, yeah, power lock, please, they are visitors new to our system. Treat them with respect, Captain. I calculate that in 3.6 nanoseconds, the spectrals will return in force. A logical assumption, Pixel, as always. Follow me to the hard drive and I'll explain everything. Your system, does it have a guardian? Guardian? I'm not familiar with the term. Come, it's not safe here. Of course, probably one of Joey's favorite episodes. For reasons we'll get to. And it's episode 3.2.2, titled Where No Sprite Has Gone Before. Originally aired September 24th, 1997. Written by DC Fontana, and the story was by Gavin Blair, Dan DiDio, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. In this episode, Andrea and Matrix find their way into a system run by a group of seeming super guardians who were once spectrals. When the leader has a striking resemblance to Bob, Matrix acknowledges him as a friend and joins the cause, while Andrea excuse me, while Andrea joins the side of the spectrals. So Joey, not much going on this episode. Very few references yeah. at all. Like it was all story and you know good story but they didn't come up with anything there's no references whatsoever yeah um, none at all <laughs> this has got to be the most chock full episode of references specifically Star Trek references um, of the entire series I mean it was just 
I got tired of writing them down. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's how much it got ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't bother writing most of them down because I knew you'd pick up on the Star Trek stuff a lot more than I would. Right. And actually, interesting enough, I just started watching the original series. I got that from the library. So, I mean, some of the nice. stuff is pretty fresh. But um, they start off just immediately with Andrea talking to a little advice. And she's like, you know, Andrea's log. And she sets up the stage, which is just a classic hallmark of all the Star Trek series, which can really lead to sloppy writing. in the log and sometimes you you know don't have very good writing in between but um just so immediately they just shove it right aim date unknown and just go for it so that was pretty cool yeah uh interesting fact the lady who wrote this episode dc fontana she was originally gene roddenberry's or yeah roddenberry's secretary yeah and, and she and wrote she, a lot of episodes of Star Trek, so. Of multiple different series. I mean, not just um, the original series. She was all over the place. One of the podcasts um, that I listened to other than this is the Gamma, well, uh, that I was the Gamma Quadrant, which is like an episode review podcast, very similar in nature to this, for Deep Space. She had written plenty of episodes, and that, you know, that's when, She's just all over the Star Trek universe, so that was pretty cool that they used her for this, because uh, clearly she has the credentials. Yeah, and I, it, it's awesome that you know, like uh, the the um, X Files episode where they got the lady who played Dana Scully to actually play the parody of her. Like they got a Star Trek writer to write the Star Trek parody. That's true. Yeah, I didn't even think of it like that. That's awesome. And this, I mean, they, they these references were just like so in your face. Um, Rob probably had the worst Kirk impression that I've ever heard. Like it was pretty terrible. awful. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. But I mean, it added to the whole idea of you know who this character was. But it was just it was bad. It was so <laughs> bad, but it it drove home the point that hey, this is Captain Kirk. Exactly. Uh, what did you think of the, um, what do they call them, the, the hero selective group or what? what yeah, that? Uh, that sounds right. Uh, let me see if I, I can it, find. I think it is hero selective or something rather similar. Yeah, the hero selective they were interesting. Okay. I mean, kind of a parody off of Justice League or the Avengers or really any group of supposed superpowered villains. They had the one guy who was essentially Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. They had the one girl who was essentially uh, Catwoman. And then they had, you know, just... Uh, power lock who's just you know this guy really muscle bound that has a bunch of guns like a whole bunch of different sure things if they were trying to go for a punisher i mean he didn't have the attitude of a punisher but i think he had some kind of skull as a symbol too so i thought maybe that's what they're trying to go for yeah i could see that 
His and then symbol on top is of just these. his face smoking his cigar. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and then you've got the Bob look like Rob was a cruiser. Uh, something like that, yeah. Cursor. 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 Yeah, and uh, he was Captain Cursor, and then his first in command was Pixel, which is clearly Spock. It had pointed ears. They talked about logic a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, she did Vulcan neck pinches on spectrals, which <laughs> makes no sense. Because they yeah. don't have any soldiers, but what? The, um, did you notice that the guy that was basically Mr. Fantastic, I think his name was Email, um, yeah. he had Edward Scissorhands' face, essentially? Yeah, I didn't catch that at first, but it, it was interesting. Yeah, it made sense. I've never actually seen any of those movies. Um, I have performed Edward Forty Hands, but I have never seen <laughs> Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, it it just it looked creepy. It didn't fit with the rest of the episode to me. Yeah, it was a little little odd. Which but, is weird. Um, that doesn't happen in reboot a lot. No, I mean they they're usually pretty succinct. Um, but it this this episode I honestly I'm not a huge fan of. As much as I enjoyed all of the All the references. Or had a lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought maybe it was too much, um, and it just was it just, I don't know, it didn't really all come together as much as I'd wanted it to. Yeah. Um, especially coming off of some pretty awesome episodes. Yeah. One of my favorite notes is, oh, no, mixing Star Trek and Star Wars? Because <laughs> it's all <laughs> Star Trek, and then he has a lightsaber. I was like, no. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, they, I'll just get some of the other references out of the way so we can talk more about the episode. But um, at one point, uh, they even talk about the Prime Directive, which is a huge debate, you know, where you've got space-bearing aliens and you're not supposed to inter- interfere with uh, other cultures, and it's their Prime Directive, and they mentioned that. Um, at one point, <laughs> Andrea even says, make it so, which is mm-hmm. Captain Picard big thing so i mean they they were really laying it on heavy some of the other stuff we'll get to but um even they even mentioned having a cloaking advice device you know that's huge um but i guess we can just get to the actual story of the the spectrals and the and the, the hero selective and their kind of odd disagreement yeah it it's cliche i mean there's been stuff that's cliche in this show before, but they do it somewhat differently so that it doesn't feel as cliche. This one didn't, which is why I don't think I like it as much. I mean, it, it was yeah. pretty cliche from the beginning. It was like, hey, let's let's take this story, but let's make it Star Trek, but reboot Star Trek. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I just don't think it all came together. It it was very Star Trekky in epi- in in the idea that you know you've come to this area and you you've got two sides and you don't know who's the right side and 
there's controversy among your own people, what's right, what's wrong. You've got a completely different life form, like spectrals. I mean, they, they're, they're not something we re- have any idea what they really are. You know, yeah. so in that episode, it's very, in that idea anyway, it's very Star Trekian um, on this episode. It's very episodic. But um, it's, I don't know. I don't think it all came together. No. Uh, and then, of course, the big twist is that it's, you know, not the Spectrals or the superheroes that are doing it. It's the viruses that have invaded. And it turns out that, you know, the guy who's been speaking out against the sprites the most is the virus. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a cop-out. And I think... Um and they, they, they do the same thing in Star Trek, too. You know, you build up this entire episode, and then you don't actually have to solve a problem because it's all of a sudden a universal evil person, you know? Right. Um, and that's, I mean, that, to me, that's just cop-out writing, and that's what they did in this one as well. Yeah, which is, it's a real shame, because Dan Didio is a, a credited on the story and he's you know a great comic writer as we talked about last episode yeah absolutely well and you know i i, I think they just my guess is they probably gave fontana a, a free reign and yeah um the worst parts of star trek came to this episode because there, there are amazing star trek episodes but you know clearly with a thousand hours of television there's some really crappy ones too <laughs> yeah. and i think there are elements of bad episodes came to this one. Um, inside of the layer, uh, of, of the, the hero selective layer, there's a bunch of trophies. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's one that's rather appropriate to talk about right now. Um, is there's a giant Lord Stanley cup in the middle of everything. Nice. And while we're recording this, I mean, we've already talked about before that these guys are Canadian and that's awesome and everything. But I mean, the, the Blackhawks and Bruins just finished their game, uh, pretty intense game. They've, so it's been an awesome season. And, you know, so anyway, it was just pretty appropriate. I think that they had the Stanley cup in this episode and we're recording that shortly after their game. Yeah. And other trophies they have in there are like the Maltese Falcon from the classic movie based off a book. Uh, um, small Starfleet plaque, and of course a silver Tyrannosaurus Rex that is the same model as the Megatron from Beast Wars, who um, is voiced by one of the guys who voiced the Spectral, one of the Spectrals, which is really oh, interesting. That. That's but, awesome. Yeah, but I... yeah, that show came out like the year before this season started or something uh, sometime around then. So they were both going at one point. Gotcha. Uh, also in the headquarters was a giant coin. Did you see that? N- missed that one. Yeah, there's just, it's just like a giant coin and they've got like a, a binome on there with a crown, which, I mean, it was very reminiscent of Queen Elizabeth II and the $2 coin in Canada, which I want... Do you know what Canadians call their $2 coins? I believe you told me once, but I think it would be better coming from you. So, um, 
Canadians made their $1 coin a long time ago. I can't remember the date now. Actually, I used to know it. But And they put a big loon on it because that is the, bir- the national bird in, um, uh, in Canada, the loon. And so it just kind of became a colloquialism, and they started calling them loonies. And then they're like, hey, let's have a $2 coin. And so they created another one. And so clearly, if you had a loony, then all of a sudden you would start calling this the tuning which, you know, everyone wants to make fun of Canadian money, and then they start naming their their money loonies and toonies for crying out loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just had that on there, and I just thought that was pretty funny. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's not a great episode. The story is not the top-notch or anything, but the graphics are beautiful. I mean, the whole world is kind of like see-through, but also very dynamic. The the camera work is, quote-unquote camera work, is very dynamic and moves quite a bit. And you see the world, but it's also like perfectly animated to look awesome. Just very That's beautiful true. work I mean, there. Like, yeah, and the, they had what a, a, a whole huge ensemble cast too you know that they had to create and that was i thought they all did pretty well um in general yeah totally what you think of uh captain cursor that bob look alike i i thought it was a little much they went a little far with the oh is he bob is he not uh although it did level out as the show went on. So uh, in that aspect, they did that well. Uh, I liked his character. He's kind of like the hero, the the reluctant hero who's kind of forced into helping out even though he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. Yeah, and I think, and I, I agree with everything you just said, and the only thing I'd add to that is I just, I liked how Matrix reacted to him. It makes perfect sense that he would try and attach himself in the idea that he was Bob, you know? And, and yeah. But then by the end, he realizes he's not Bob, but he actually had, in the process of this, gotten a friend. Right. And uh, I, so I just thought that was, that, was, that was a good part of this episode. Yeah, I th- I think the design work and the bit of character development we got were the strengths of this episode. And that was pretty much it. Who loved Star Trek and his Star Trek references in Reboot specifically. I was not a fan of this episode. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, how Captain Cursor died. And Captain Cursor, who had been doing the Kirk impressions the entire time, um, had a piece got killed underneath it, and that was, you know, a direct play at how uh, Captain Kirk, spoilers, dies in generations. A bridge falls on him. Um, and he also, um, right before he did it, he goes, system out of danger, question mark, which is also a direct play, uh, play from Spock in Wrath of Khan when he saved the ship. Um, but he had died from radiation. So, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't mention those big references. Yeah. Cool. The past, I've 
loved those references so much, and they did them so much, it, it just, I don't know, was overused or something. But I didn't care for this episode overall. Yeah, the same here. Uh, one more note is that the layer for the um, Hero Selective was called the hard drive. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I really liked that. I can't believe we made it this far without meeting the user. By Kron, I want the tooth! You can't handle the tooth! So, shall we uh, get into some scores? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so, Dan, the first episode that we had was um, Game Over. What did you think of that? Uh, I, I really liked it. Great end to an arc. Great um, end of the episode. It's just very, very solid all around. Um, I'm going to have to give it nine email box cannons. Um, yeah, I agree, and we've talked about this already. It's just it was a fantastic episode because it accomplished so much. It ended that little four episode arc. It began another one. Um, we essentially killed off a main character not so long after killing off another one, and it all seemed fluid. It all made sense. Um, it all made us have hope, and then took it away again. So uh, I'm also going to give it nine, but I'm going to give it nine Zaytans. That's the evil guy. I thought that was cool. Nice. Cool. And moving on to the next arc, episode 3.2.1, Icons. What do you think? Uh, overall, it was a good episode. I don't think it was as good as the episode beforehand, but just as the last episode did, it, it had to accomplish a lot of stuff. It did create a lot of precedent about Matrix and uh, Andrea and what they've been doing for 20-something years, what they're doing now, what they're going to go for. It kind of showed their their uh, relationship and things. So I I liked it. I, I'm only going to give it, because it's clearly, clearly not as good as um, the last one, so I'm just going to give it eight uh, Jewish impressions. Why is one was very nice. Jewish? What are you thinking, Dan? I, again, I liked it. Um not the best episode. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's good, not great. I think I'll have to give it uh, a magnificent seven parodies. Yeah, that that's awesome. Wait, what was your star number? Seven. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure that that made sense. Okay, I gotcha. Um, and then the last one we got here is where no Sprite has gone before, which, of course, is another reference again. Uh, what do you think of that, Dan? Not not the best episode. Um, not the worst, but just very much middle of the line. A lot of good references, uh, but not a lot of good story. So I'll, uh, I'll have to give it an extra point for the design work they did. So I'll, I'll give it a six... Six Andrea's log entries. Oh, that, that is fantastic. Um, I, I got to agree with you, and especially at this point in Reboot, you know, I think we're expecting a higher quality level of um, 
story and, and character development. And even though I'm a huge fan of the Star Trek references, I, I think um, I'm just going to give it five, and I'm not really going to give it five. So I'm going to give it five missed opportunities because I think it could have been a good episode. I think there's a lot they could have done with um, Star Trek references, and it kind of fell flat. Well done, sir. Well done. We've got a problem. The user only has to beat five opponents to win the game. So, what's the problem? There are 12 to choose from. What happens if we reboot and don't get picked? We won't be able to defeat the user. We're not in control here. What are you saying, Enzo? This is bad. This is very bad. And that'll do it for this week or month or hopefully month and not like month and a half like last time exactly and that that's my fault too i i've been distracted i moved into a new apartment and started a new job and all sorts of crazy stuff so yeah it's all oh, and i'm growing a beard and people seem to like it so that's kind of new for me well congratulations oh thank you i was growing a beard but more so i was just lazy but today <laughs> I shaved. So. Yeah. Does um, like beards? No. 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 Yeah, see that? No. Makes life a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, thanks for listening, as always. Uh, join us next time when we talk about the episode with no name, number seven, and the return of the Crimson Binome. Not necessarily in I that think, order. Uh, you seem pretty excited about the the return of Crimson Binom. What do you think that's about? Uh, it's probably where Old Man Pearson comes back as the, uh, the Codemaster. Codemaster, yeah, that would have worked a lot better if I remembered that word. <laughs> I think that yeah, I think it's you know very subtle. There's something weird going on there. Returning character. I haven't I haven't figured out what it'll be yet. Yeah, good stuff, though. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, as always, you can find us over at mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. Uh, if you want to he- hear us talk about something specific, please send us a note over there, or you could send us an email at mainframechronicle at gmail.com. We are technically on Twitter, but we don't really use it much. But you can follow us at MF Chronicle if you wanted to do that. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. You should go like us over there. And please rate and review us on the iTunes so that we can get more listeners and become more popular. And exactly. Yeah. It's all a popularity contest. Exactly. Um, cool. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my personal Twitter is at AmazingBase. That's amazing B-A-S-S. It's not super exciting, but it, I've been using it a little bit more as people have been adding me because of the podcasts. So that's exciting. That is exciting. You've got a fan base, Dan. Yeah. Um, and you can like follow three. me on uh, my uh, Twitter is babykangaroo90. Mine also is not all that exciting. I talk a lot about Indiana bullcrap because that's my job. So if you don't want to hear about <laughs> Indiana bullcrap, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get on there. But, um, you know, I, I, I'd love to talk to you. So please, you know, add me. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, check out our other podcasts, Rogue Arrow and the Cinemasters. 
Uh, you could find links of to those over at mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. And keep your eyes and ears open for Colson Lives, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, because they have that show nowadays. Well, Is it out now fall. already? No, it's coming out in the fall. I'm sure if I tried, I, I could find it. the pilot somewhere, but I'm just going to wait. Might as well. I mean, but that's, I'm really excited about that show. It looks awesome. I agree. Hence doing a podcast about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So. Cool. Do you have anything else, Dan? Uh, no. Um, well, yes. And another podcast I listen to, one of the co-hosts is, has a Kickstarter campaign for his comic Ace Kilray. Uh, there will be a promo playing after this, so go check that out. It, it's it's a pretty sweet project, and Robert Kelly is kind of an awesome dude, so go do that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah check that out. That sounds, sounds very interesting. But apart from that, I think we're good to go. So until next time, I'm Daniel Janes. And I'm Joey Morris. Stay frosty, my friends. 1937. To keep the increasingly threatening Third Reich from achieving a supernatural doomsday weapon, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt secretly turns to soldier of fortune, adventurer, and World War I hero, Ace Kilroy. Ace Kilroy is a serialized webcomic that launched on Halloween night 2011. The co-creation of writer Rob Kelly and artist Dan O'Connor. It was nominated for a 2012 Eagle Award for Favorite Webcomic. And Kelly won a 2012 Philadelphia Geek Award for Comic Book Writer of the Year. Ace Kilroy features adventure, horror, mystery, political intrigue, and romance. Join the fight against evil. Visit acekilroy.com. The Emerald Archer. The Battling Bowman. Ollie. Whatever name you know him by, he is best known as Oliver Queen, the billionaire playboy who was stranded on an island for five years, forcing him to become the Arrow. Join us as we follow his journey to clean up the mess his father helped create in Starling City. I am Daniel Janes. I'm Chris O'Neill. I'm Laurel Mers. And I'm Rudy Schubach. And you should check out Rogue Arrow Podcast, where we talk about the CW show Arrow. You can find us at roguearrow.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes or Facebook for Rogue Arrow Podcast. The movie game is a game that Rudy and I play where we come up with a starting point and an ending point, and we try to get there using the same rules as Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, essentially. More often than not, it just sort of devolves into uh, a vehicle for which you talk about awesome movies. But yeah, that's sort of the, the bare bone structure from, what, from the way I play it. Yes. So Rudy, what are we going to be <laughs> starting off with? Uh, we're starting with uh, Drive. So we're going from Drive to Goldfinger. We're going to connect them somehow. You want to start or you want me to start? 
I'll say we got the movie drive. We're going to Ryan Gosling just because he's the only one who I didn't see. I guess exactly. <laughs> okay, Ryan Gosling is also in the Notebook. I don't know the Notebook yeah. either. Uh, wait, awesome. who's in that? Someone, um, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams, another name I don't know. So maybe Drive uh, is not she was the best in, place Oh no, I got this one. Okay, uh, Rachel McAdams was in uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, awesome. Um, that's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. I think I'll go Vince Vaughn. I feel like he's more okay. connected. Let's go Vince Vaughn to uh, his early work swingers. We'll go John Favreau. Uh, so let's go with John Favreau to. He was in a bunch of movies. Recently. He was in um, I Love You Man. Pretty much all the Marvel movies. He was. He was in specifically Iron Man. And in Iron Man, there was. Can we go through. Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Yeah, so either of the. We can go through either of the guys who played Colonel James Rhodes, or we can go through. Robert Downey was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. With Val Kilmer? Yeah. Val Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer Kilmer was in Batman Forever. Which was... Which was... Tommy Tommy Lee Lee Jones Jones and... And Jim Jim Carrey. Tommy Lee Jones. He's got to have been in a movie that we can go through. A lot of people give us crap because they're like, you should be trying to find the shortest route. And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. No, no. (laughs) I mean, this isn't a great example because we're not stopping and talking about all the movies. But right. that's what we normally do, and that's usually what this game is played for. Okay, so, uh, so we got Tommy Lee Jones. We're going to go Tommy Lee Jones to, what was he? He was in something less modern. we got to start moving backwards. He was in The Fugitive. Fugitive. Uh, Harrison Ford. Well, that'll get us to um, Harrison Ford, exactly. Harrison Ford's uh, an older actor, which means he'll be in movies closer to that time period. Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh no! Yes, you're right. He played Mindy's father, and there you go. Harrison Ford to Sean Connery through Last Crusade to James Bond Goldfinger. Bam! Awesome. Well. Anyway, so that's that's an example of the movie game. <laughs> Yay! We made it. Check out the Cinemasters podcast at thecinemasters.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Cinemasters Podcast.